Hi everyone, welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy and today we are talking to Alana. To kick off the episode, Alana takes us through her childhood. Her parents separated when she was young, they moved places quite a lot and even lived in a shelter for a bit. We talk about how this unstable environment shaped her personality and how it still impacted her as a young adult right now. We did a lot of reflecting in the episode, looking back at specific events in Alana's life and analyzing her growth, changing mindset, investing in herself, becoming a hairstylist, wait until you hear her explaining what she does, it's incredible, and feeling very fulfilled in life in many aspects. Alana is the proof that anything is possible if you work hard, you want it very badly and just never give up. Enjoy. Hi, Lana. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hello. <laughs> we met a, bit, a little bit more than two years ago. We did gratitude training together mm-hmm. and we had many guests from gratitude. So I'm not going to go through what that was. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, basically, uh, it was a self development program that we did. So we spent a few months. Um, spending some weekends together and getting to know each other and the entire group mm-hmm. and it was a, a very transformational experience for everyone and um, and it was a great opportunity to know people more than just you know small talk uh, yeah. it was actually no small talk straight to deep shit <laughs> <laughs> to be honest uh, yeah. but that that the consequence of that you create a special bond with all the people and uh i really wanted to have you on the show because you your life journey has been full of ups and downs uh right now you're kind of living your dream (laughs) being being where you would love to be and i'm really happy for you but i think the I think at the end, the lesson of this episode is going to be believe in yourself, even if life throws things at you, keep going because you can make it if you want it, if you really want it. So maybe we're just going to start with where you come from and, and about, yeah, you know, where you grew up. Um, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, definitely agree with like the overall message. Um, so I'm from Miami, Florida. My parents are Cuban and Italian, um, so my dad was born in Havana, my mom was born here, but my grandparents from Italy. Um, and we lived in Central Florida for like a blip of my life, but once my parents like separated and divorced, we I was think I was like six or seven when we moved officially to Miami. Um, and, and yeah, that's where everything started. I have two brothers and I lived in Miami basically my whole life until about two years ago I moved to Atlanta. So, yes. <laughs> How would you, Miami is a wild place. Uh, <laughs> you can you can have, I think, any kind of experience that you would like to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like for you? <laughs> um. Okay, so I say this all the time, <laughs> like... I loved growing up in Miami. I do not know if I would raise my kids in Miami because I don't think my oh. mom loved me growing up in Miami. <laughs> mm. So interesting. Yeah. So since I 
I don't even know where to start, but Miami is such a beautiful place. So since I've moved to Atlanta, it's kind of like reawakened the beauty of Miami, the way that like, mm. um, like not everybody gets to grow up like picking mangoes off of trees in parks as they're when they're yeah. kids, you know? And yeah. so everything from like the culture to the landscape, everything is super beautiful and flourishing. Um, when I was like about... 15 or so (laughs) I went to I started going to this art school in Coconut Grove it was like it used to be a shopping mall and they renovated it into a school so it was a very like cool obscure experience the whole school was outside um but I definitely started like partying at a really early age um Mm. and I know that that drove like drove my mom completely crazy because yeah (laughs) So that's that's kind of why I say I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about that. But I did enjoy it and I did have a lot of fun. And I think that partying so early and really kind of just like being on this journey of like finding myself and getting lost and having all these really wild experiences allowed me to step into my um, like my real life and have a clearer path a lot earlier than other people i'm 23 right now and so i i knew Mm. what i wanted to do and stopped partying by the time i was like 18 or 19 you know wow yeah which is very interesting you say that because you would expect that this is the time in miami where you could go mental <laughs> you know and and especially take the whole thing to a whole other level especially you have to be 21 to drink like to get into clubs yeah. and things in the states <laughs> yeah like... no i was i think like i went to my first bar when i was like 15 maybe mm. and there it was across the street from my high school um and there were they had these drinks called like moose juice and it was like this big tub of like pink <laughs> just alcohol drink um so like (laughs) that's like a window into like being 15 like getting drunk like you know so yeah by the time I was 21 I think on my 21st birthday I was I I think I spent it sober like I think I was like Mm -hmm. you know I really want to I'm over that I'm too old for this shit yeah (laughs) my bones are breaking I'm tired (laughs) (laughs) but just definitely getting a lot more intentional with my life you know so yeah. So you know, every time we we talk to people, most of the time I I ask about childhood and about growing up, and I would say that ninety percent of people say I just had a pretty normal childhood, you know. Uh, yeah. But if I put all those normal childhood together, they're all different <laughs> <laughs> because because you yeah. know normal is very subjective; it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, how how would you define your your childhood? Um, you know, it's so funny because I, I definitely feel like I had, comparatively, I think I had like a pretty good childhood, you know, like I had my mom who really cared about me and a dad who really cared about me. I didn't see my dad as much, um, but I definitely wouldn't necessarily describe it as like normal either, which mm-hmm. I know there's no baseline normal. Um, but I guess it depends on like how deep, <laughs> how deep you want to go, <laughs> but, um, as deep as you want. <laughs> no, I think, you know, like I, I think my experience was pretty unique because, um, my, my parents had like kind of not the healthiest relationship, right? It was like a lot of 
like emotional abuse kind of like just not super healthy so Mm. um when I was when we did move to Miami the whole situation of the divorce was very intense like not a lot of people know but it's not something I hide either that like there was like a period of time where like my my mom and me and my brothers and I we went to a shelter and had to go through this whole like transition Um, And then on my dad's side, it was really hard for him, too. And so coming to Miami, I talked to my mom about this now. I'm like, I never realized how strong of a person she was because Mm. she had her first kids, I think, around like 26 or something. And then she was a single mom Mm. of three. Right. So I got older and I was just like, like, (laughs) you did all of that, you know, so. Yeah, we we moved to Miami and kind of started over this like new life and. Um, and then later on when I was 12, my mom came out as queer. So that I think made my experience really unique. Um, and yeah, it was definitely like a lot growing up. Like it wasn't the easiest. She was definitely like a single mom paycheck to paycheck. So I wasn't really always super comfortable. We moved pretty much every year of my life up until I was like 14. We lived in a different place. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that like all of those, everything that happened in my childhood was really supportive for me because I think it instilled a lot of independence and a lot of knowing like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that I'm going to be okay no matter what I decide to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and my mom, she's a CPA, but she's also like an actress and a writer and has written short films and is working on a series. And so I never felt like, a lot of kids or people who I talked to out in normal childhoods also had a lot of like pressure to be certain things in their life. Um, And I remember being in high school and I think my humanities teacher asked and I was like, I think that I could do anything that I want, you know, and and I'd be okay. (laughs) Um, And so I see that kind of like coming into fruition now, you know? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I understand more what you mean in terms of you you were mature very early on because i guess you you had to you had to grow up um Mm -hmm. because of life circumstances and everything yeah how uh very very curious and how did you react at 12 years old when your mom told you she was queer like from a i don't know 12 years old is quite young i don't know if you understand what that means you know uh yeah how did Um, so that's like, oh, it was, yeah, 12 was interesting. Um, let me see. I think, well, my dad was really conservative always, you know, like he wasn't really religious and conservative. He was actually atheist and conservative. Um, and now he's religious and conservative. So that's funny. (laughs) Um, I feel like if my dad hears this, he's going to be like, really? I'm like, I love you. But, (laughs) but, um, So I think that like having that kind of conservative background in my head was definitely like it made it a little bit more intimidating seeing my mom become the person that she is. Um, And it felt really scary. Like it felt like the the Mm. option of her and my dad ever getting back together was like out the window. Like everything was just kind of like changing. And I was I think I remember just feeling like so overwhelmed and um she didn't, she didn't come out to me directly. Um, and I remember being 12 and being really upset by that, that she didn't really talk to me about it. Um, 
But the way that I found out originally is actually really funny. My aunt, who uh, I love so much, she's since passed away, but she's like my best friend, super amazing. And she was just my mom's best friend too and her confidant. So I was like in my mom's closet looking for something and I found this paper and I like opened it up and it was a letter from my aunt that said, it's okay, Mia. My mom's name is Mia. Lots of things are by bicycles, biology. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how I like first found out. <laughs> and uh, definitely made the situation much lighter, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then and then yeah like we definitely had our hardships like i remember not liking her girlfriend and i lived with my dad for a little because she wanted to have her girlfriend move in it was like all these things um but then as like i got older and being in high school i realized how awesome it was to have a queer mom because it just allowed me to step into my identity super freely like a lot of queer people um Mm. and i'm queer so a lot of queer people talk about their coming out stories and this whole thing. And a lot of people are like blacklisted by their families. And but when I started to like explore and really figure myself out, I remember like this girl in high school, like hurt my feelings, like I broke my heart, whatever. And I just got home one day and I was like, Mom, why do girls suck? <laughs> and she was like, oh, OK. <laughs> And like, that was it, you know, like we never had a conversation. It was just really free. And I've never felt like I had to put myself in a box. So now I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is, I, it's one of the things that I'm most grateful for, I think. Yeah. It's Mm. a, it's a source of stress that you didn't have to, at least that was out of the way. Yeah. (laughs) And clearly you, you didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. It must have been very freeing. Yeah. Um, Definitely. How did your dad react? Oh. Interesting. Point. Is that hard? <laughs> Should I not ask that? <laughs> no, it's it just popped in my mind. I was like, I'm going to have to ask because you said he's very conservative, and then having his ex-wife and then now daughter, like, how yeah. did that go down? You know, I was talking to him about it, and like, I actually didn't. So my dad and I, like, I I moved to Atlanta to be closer to my half sister and to kind of establish a relationship with my dad, who is he's super kind and caring, and I love him very much. Um, But I didn't, he wasn't super active in my life throughout like my teenage years. So I actually Mm. didn't tell him until I had a girlfriend Mm. serious enough, which was Wilma. And I, (laughs) which was like two years ago. And I I called him and I was like, hey, you know, just gonna let you know. Just FYI. Yeah, FYI. And it's been like definitely a journey. Like I think at first, he has these really hardcore standards of what he identifies as normal, right? And he's like, oh, well, that's mm. not really normal and kind of thinks it's my mom's fault. And I, I told him one time, I was like, dad, you're the one who sent me to art school. So if we're going to talk about <laughs> about it, uh, it was probably <laughs> art school, which is totally a joke. But um, <laughs> it was like a moment of lightness because he kind of laughed and he's like, you know, I thought about that. I'm like... <laughs> So it's been interesting, though, because then since I moved here, we've been deepening our relationship a lot. And, you know, he's like very loving towards Wilma. And you can still find he's like uncomfortable about it, doesn't know how to tell my little sister about it, things like that. But um, when we talk about it, he definitely expresses to me how hard it is to find someone that really loves you and that you really love and that will show up for you and stick 
stick it through thick and thin and he's really happy that I have that so um it's a I think it's like a little bit of discomfort but then also appreciation and we're kind of like still moving through it every day you know We'll see. <laughs> That's great, though, because I know there's a lot of parents that completely disown their children and just can't, cannot even imagine, you know, still being there for them. So even though he's finding it hard, it's great that he's still there and he's still wanting to get to know Wilma and, you know, be there for you, even if he finds it uncomfortable. I think that says a lot about someone. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And that's what I found yeah. since I've been here is like I, I could have not moved because I was like, oh, well, what's the point if he doesn't accept me? But um, if there's anything that I learned during gratitude training is like it's not about the results. It's about the commitment and the journey there. Right. And so if I'm committed to having a loving, accepting relationship with him, I'm just going to show up and see what happens. And mm. I'm really grateful for even though it's not at a 10 I'm really, really grateful for the way it has panned out because we've celebrated holidays together and he's come into my home and like, there's boobs all over my home. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's paintings everywhere. (laughs) So I'm I'm definitely really grateful for how it's working itself out to be, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was going to say it's, I think it's a beautiful proof of love also in a sense that maybe he doesn't fully understand but he accepts it because it's making you happy and you know that's what matters and even if you maybe if it's not fully aligned and you wish it could have been different but it's there for you despite that and that's yeah that's what matters right yeah exactly exactly (laughs) and it it doesn't have to look any one particular way for me to feel fulfilled around it you know and Mm. I deal with a lot of queer people in my work like in with my clients and who I work with so I hear a lot of people's stories and yeah it definitely kind of grounds me into gratitude things in perspective definitely 100 percent yeah Yeah. (laughs) I I wonder how um, the fact that even if he was in Miami, you you were moving around quite a lot and you had a, a period of instability and you, you mentioned going to a shelter for a bit. How do you, now looking back at it, how do you think that impacted your personality and your, um, yeah, your personality? I don't know. You, did that make you, makes you like a stressful, a stressed person, an anxious person, an extrovert, an introvert, you know? That's a really good question. Um... So I definitely view myself as like an extroverted introvert, right? Like I, I can, I love people and I love communicating and making connections, but I always have to come back home and, and ground myself. Um, mm. And so I think I, having that upbringing for, for a while, my experience was that I was afraid of stability. And so that's, why my life looked the way that it did for a while, even to the point when it was no longer, I was like just a kid doing whatever my mom did. It more fell into my hands and um, stability scared me, you know? So I would work a lot of different jobs, like not really want anything that was gonna like lock me down super hard. Mm. Um, And continued to move around a lot. Like uh, when I was in high school, I was like, I had been kicked out of my parents' house, my mom's house, and was, like, homeless for a little bit. And, like, at that time, I felt like I was thriving. I was like, yeah, I got this, you know? And so, um, but then all of that leading up to now, I think it's 
I have a really deep appreciation for creating a home. And I work really hard mm-hmm. to learn how to allow myself to sit still. And um, I'm still every day learning how to like build a home and create rituals that really serve me. But I also think that kind of what I was saying earlier definitely taught me that I can pretty much do anything. <laughs> like I can get through it all. Yeah. Like I'm still alive. Um, and I'm grateful for that. And it, I think it instilled a great level of perseverance in me. So when I think about yeah. what's possible, um, despite my own like limiting con- self-limiting conversations, I, I know that at the end of the day, there's, that's the only limitation I have. And I'm going to always figure it out. And there's nothing that's really, sounds cheesy, but like there's nothing that's really too big, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, my aunt always used to say like, you'll always land on your feet like a cat. So I'm like, mm. I definitely agree with that. And I think, I also think it made me a lot more, I used to think that I went through a lot of the situations that I did so that I could be a space for people who are going through hard net hardships, mm-hmm. um, to be able to like resonate and hold space for them. Even if I haven't had the exact same experiences, I've definitely experienced a little bit of everything in my life. Um, and so I think that that deepened my level of empathy and I think it allows me to really find the value of vulnerable connection and helping people through hard times. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you can relate to many stories, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and hopefully be an omen to people of like, hey, I know it's hard, but things will get better. So, yeah. Yeah. You're very mature for a 23-year-old. I'm sat here thinking, like, God, when I was 23, I was, like, drunk the whole time. I party and didn't know what I was doing with my life. Like, I think I'd met you by that point, but, like, I did not have my shit together at all. And I'm listening to you, like, oh, my God, she's more put together than I am. And I'm, like, 10 years older than you. It's, you're so, like, I don't know it's inspiring listening to you talking. I don't know if that's just me, but... But it's, it's interesting also, because I do remember the Alana started gratitude training <laughs> yeah and and it, and it was a bit different oh, really <laughs> yeah spill the tea oh yeah <laughs> yeah it, 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 i want the gossip it, it it was the late one every time yeah and and let's say maybe a bit less reliable and stuff like that yeah and, and that created that could create tension in the team sometimes and stuff and and it's very interesting to see how much you evolved in in two years yeah uh, yeah because, and I mean, you, you're 21 two years ago, so it's also, I mean, at 21, I wasn't any better. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So it's not yeah, a, like a judgment or whatever, but uh, yeah. but in two years, the transformation is quite, whoa. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, dude. When I started gratitude training, I was like, wild. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, to- like, yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't, I don't want to cut you off, so... We're, no, we're sorry, no, 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 no. Um, um. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, I think when I started gratitude training, yeah, I was 21. I was taking clients a little bit uh, at one salon, but I was also still apprenticing at another. Um, but just where I was at in life was so different. Like, I think that I started gratitude training because I didn't want to continue how I was doing things, which, like, 
working multiple jobs. Like at the time of my apprenticeship in doing hair, I would work six days a week and I'd work from like maybe 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. And then I wasn't allowed to take clients while I was working because I was helping others. So I would Mm -hmm. see my clients from like 10 p.m. to like four in the morning, right? And I was like working another job at a restaurant. Um, It was exhausting. And so I remember like thinking about going to the training and being like, oh, I I just don't want to continuously feel like I have to constantly work and be in this scarcity place of nothing is good enough and I have to do more and more and more. And so starting gratitude training, I think I was just so like careless. I didn't really see my own value and so that had me discount my role in other people's lives because I didn't think I was important I didn't think it mattered if I was on time right or Mm. if I talked over people or like because I was the rant queen I'd be like well I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I didn't think what I had to say was that important so I didn't really understand the purpose of intentionality when you speak Mm. you know Mm. um i think it was a good time for me to do that because that was the first self-development thing that i had ever done since like drug therapy in high school you know and then after that it woke me up to all these things and like i realized how important coaching is and i got a finance coach and a relationship coach and like it's just and I started to think like what I want is actually possible. Like when I started ML, I I quit my job as an assistant and went full time on my own, you know, and realized that I mattered and I'm still not great about time, but I'm a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I think that even the times where I don't think that I'm important or I'm struggling with my self worth, I know that there's something on the other side. You know, I know that it's something I'm mm. going through that I can work to get over. Mm. So you said something before that piqued my curiosity. So you said that because you had a very unstable uh, childhood and, and teen years, that kind of made you want to stay unstable and you, di- you, you didn't want much stability at this point in your life. Um, and... I, I, I wonder why, you know, I wonder, is it like the instability and the chaos that you were creating was maybe a way to, I don't know, numb things or I don't, you know, I'm curious about, I would have imagined the opposite. That's why it's, yeah. I'm curious about it. Um, I think it was like my safety blanket. I was like, if I know hmm. that I don't know anything, right, <laughs> like, then I feel a lot okay. better than trying to pretend like I can have my life together or have things that I want, you know? If I can depend on chaos and instability, um, then I can never be surprised. You know, I can never have anything and want it so much um, and then have it taken away from me because I don't even have anything to begin with. Mm. Yeah. And so it was a way to protect yourself in a way. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I still struggle with it now. Like I, I have to tell myself it's okay to have things that I want um, because it's it won't be taken from me, right? Knock on wood, like with all of my prayers and intentionality, yeah. I don't have to live in the fear that I used to, that 
that things that I loved would leave, right? Or things that I've worked for and have will be taken, you know? So mm -hmm. I, it's like I've seen that show up and it's funny how it's been in different sizes, you know, when I was... It's like when I was like a teenager, I didn't really have anything. But then when I started like working on a relationship with my mom and, and having a close relationship with her, like that was scary. That was like a feat in and of itself. Um, but then when I moved into my first place with my roommate or like one of my first serious relationships, like all of these little things were so scary. So a lot of the time I would self-sabotage. A lot of the time I'd be like. Yeah, because you had something to lose suddenly. Mm -hmm. And, and now it's bigger things, right? Now it's like I'm engaged and I have a place in two cities and, um, and I'm not working through the same fragility that I used to when I was younger, where I was kind of my own worst enemy. And so that's kind of another thing that I have to remind myself of now is, okay, it's okay to have things. It's okay to sit and be proud of those things. And it's okay to be open to accepting more good things in, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was your dream, your goal at this time, if you had any? Right now or then? No, yeah, when you were a teenager. Oh, okay. So when I was a teenager, and it's actually still my dream now, um, I wanted to buy land and be an old person and grow vegetables and like have a self-sustaining community. Um, and when I was 16, like I would dream about this, like of me being in like my fifties or sixties. I'd be like one day, you know, I'm just going to have a big pot of land. I'm going to have a bunch of people that like build little houses and live there. And we're going to run on solar and cook for each other and harvest vegetables um and i had no plan for anything in between like 16 and 50 <laughs> <laughs> which is that's what i'm doing now right <laughs> is the in between yeah uh but that's still a goal of mine i think because i i was so afraid of like working in a cubicle you know my mom was an accountant and like wore suits and i at that age i thought that that was the only option and so i was so afraid of that yeah. and so against yeah. that that i was like i literally just never want to wear shoes and live outside like that's all i want <laughs> um so yeah that that was it i think yeah yeah <laughs> so do you think it's gratitude that really changed your perspective about what you could achieve and and really put you on a totally different path in life and first created the stability but also i think it's more created the mindset that um, life is not happening to you that you're actually more in control than you might think about what's going on and and that you can do what the hell you want um, despite despite what's going on around you yeah yeah i think so like it entering like a self-development training that actually had me for the first time sit down and think about my whole future and my 10 life like if my life could be anything without any limitations what would it look like yeah that was definitely a huge catalyst in my life because i think the biggest decision that i had made before that was like when i was living with a roommate and i was working three jobs 
and I was like, I don't like doing this. And, you know, at the time I thought I wanted to go to college maybe, but I wasn't sure what for. And so that's when I actually decided to do hair because I was like, like, this is something I'm good at. And let me just see, let me just see if I can create a career that will help me get from point A to point B. And like, I ended up falling in love with it completely. But I think that was the biggest decision that I had made prior to going into a self-development training. And actually my mentor who taught me all about cutting natural textures and everything like that, she was the person who introduced me to the training. And so, Mm. and I saw her life and her life was dope, you know? Like she was like working three days a week and doing something that she loved. And I was like, can my life ever look like that? And before that, I was living my whole life just trying to not be depressed just trying to like fill up every space that I had so that I wouldn't fall into like sadness and like lose everything. And then I, when I started doing self-work and self-development, personal transformation, it was the first time that someone even introduced to me the concept of rather than looking at where you don't wanna be and everything that you're afraid of, why don't you look into the future of what you could possibly create? And I think it definitely mm-hmm. changed the trajectory of my life 100%. It's like flipping a switch, right? Suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Just easy. <laughs> no, but it's, what, what I, no, what I mean is that you, you, you're just, at one point, you're living, dwelling about everything that happened to you and why why me, why me, and stuff like that. And, and, and suddenly you switch mindset and you actually see only all the opportunities in front of you. And, and maybe you stop looking back and you look, in front of you and it's like well actually the world is a big place there is a lot of people in the world there's a lot of money in the world there is a lot of things in the world outside of a <laughs> cubicle there is more than just one path you don't need to go to college you don't need to have a degree in xyz to make it in life quote unquote and be successful and everything and once you switch this mindset in your head life is very different <laughs> yeah i agree I, and I feel like I, I saw it with you too. Like I remember first seeing you speak and you're talking about like your relationship <laughs> dynamics in your life and your family and, you know, being closed. Yeah. And then like just seeing that really that shift does open up everything. And I think it's auric. It's like energetic, like it radiates, you know? So yeah. definitely agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned after the training, you, we did, to control of your life and of your career and invested in coaches yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so right now you are, can you tell us a little bit more about the business that you're running right now and, and how did you create this dream life that you were seeing <laughs> in your mentor before? Um, Cause it's one thing to, to want it, but actually creating it and making it happen is something else. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's still, it's funny because it's still scary. Like, I still have to step into the space of really being present to actually enjoy it. Because if I'm not present, (laughs) I don't feel like I'm doing it. And I'm like, I gotta, I still gotta have so many things to do. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think, so I, I, during the training, I I quit my job as an assistant. And I remember sitting there and I'm super grateful to have the support of my mom because I, I moved back in with my mom when I started school. And so I was like, you know, I think I want to quit and like see if I can take clients full time. Cause it got to the point where I was missing out on clients or I was staying up till 5am taking clients. and It was really exhausting. 
Um, and the people who were down to do that, I'm like, and I'm like, I don't understand, but thank you. <laughs> you know? I, I, I was going to say that. I don't know if I would get my hair cut at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> there are people out there and I appreciate them so much. Um, and yeah, so my mom was really supportive and she was like, yeah, you know, and I would, I would help her out with bills and stuff. But she was like, if, if that's something you can't do right now, then, you know, like, let's just see what's possible. And so, um, yeah, I started doing that. And surprisingly, it, it worked out pretty well and pretty quickly. Basically, the way that I and I guess I'll, I'll start with just saying what I do right before going super into that. <laughs> yeah. But so I, I'm a hairstylist and my main focus is um, embracing natural textures and creating mm. hairstyles and hair that that flows with your life rather than you needing to resolve yourself around it. and creating space for people to show up fully self-expressed in a way that allows them to feel confident and beautiful, but also effortless and perfect, whole and complete, just as they are. Like no context of not being enough at all. Um, mm. And so I work with um, a lot of different textures of hair, everything from really coarse, curly Afro texture hair to soft waves to thinning hair. Um, and I do color as well in a way that's super low maintenance, but also allows you to feel most creatively expressed. And I work with um, all different genders. I hold space for queer people um, to exist outside of the context and standards of the beauty industry. Um, and I do that in Miami and Atlanta and focus heavily on vulnerability and intimacy and being able to be your most authentic self. You know, it's not an elevator pitch, but <laughs> that's what I Can do. Can I just say, you you worded that so beautifully. And I think there's definitely, like you said about the traditional beauty standards of like, you know, how your hair should look or how you should dress or be as a straight person or a queer person or a black person or whatever person. And like having, you know, to a lot of people, it's just hair, but actually it's a huge part of your identity. So having someone who like, realizes that and also lets people be themselves and try and help them be more themselves I think you worded it magically well done thank you thank you I um, want to go to you if I was in Miami <laughs> I'd be booking you yes definitely let me know when you're in town um yeah that it really is what I focus on it's funny that you say it's magical because my Instagram tag and my business is which is brew hair right and so mm. the tagline used to be brujeria for the soul which is like witchcraft and magic and um it's since changed to a call to authenticity which I just felt resonated more mm. with me um but yeah I definitely do I think it's like this beautiful experience of co-collaboration and and like the opportunity to create magic and seeing what it takes to take somebody from feeling anything less than themselves and amazing and empowered and beautiful to crossing that bridge and seeing them walk out feeling so aligned and affirmed is it's really is magical and it's the most fulfilling thing that I could do and the conversations that are had in the space from point A to point B are what really makes it so fulfilling because it's so much mm. more than seeing a picture and being like, you want that? Yeah, it's, it's like asking all the questions. Do you wanna feel more masculine at this time in your life? Do you wanna feel soft and feminine? Do you, 
um, do you feel like you're being heard and seen the way that you are right now? And do you feel happy with what that is and what that looks like? And what can we do to support you to feel like the best version of yourself? And then curating these styles and colors and everything to really fit so that they can just wake up and be like, wow, I'm that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't know. How have I never heard of anyone doing this before? I'm just like, that just makes sense. Like, of course, that's what everybody should be doing rather than taking a picture and it should be like, and I think as well, Obviously, with hairdressing, if you if you find someone that you like, you're going to go back to them like several times a year, and you're going to create such amazing bonds with these people because it's not just like, "How was your last holiday?" You know, like general chit chat. It's like deep, mm-hmm. like connection with your clients who I guess become friends. Do they? And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but oh yeah, yeah definitely. Sometimes I feel weird talking to my clients <laughs> using the word clients because I'm, yeah. I, sometimes yeah. I just say my people because that's yeah. what it feels like, you know? Because we definitely. It is a really unique connection, and I think it depends on where you come from with it, because maybe if you're anything less than super passionate about it or just view it as a job, right, then the dynamic is very much like hairstylist, client, let's just get you in and out. And I've seen that so much in the beauty industry, and a lot of the time I, I choose not to work in salons because I like the... And that's why I've worked so hard to create my own space is because I... I don't resonate with the in and out and this is a paycheck, right? It's, it really is its own unique relationship. And I, I like to check in and follow up and be like, how are you? How's your hair doing? Do you need help? How's your life? Like all of these things. And, um, and we get pretty, pretty deep in the chair, you know? And yeah, I think it, it means a lot more to me than just uh, skin deep, which mm. I think you see a lot, you know? yeah when you look back when you when you step back and you look at your life right now thinking i'm 23 i'm living in between you know atlanta and miami i'm doing a job that makes me extremely happy i'm engaged um when you look at that and you look at yourself three years ago having to work 16 hours a day multiple jobs uh how, how do you feel about it? Is it weird to hear that? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is weird. I don't say it that much, you know? Um, it feels really good. I, I think this past year, especially, I've been working a lot on being able to sit in it because I, uh, I've, I've struggled a lot. And so with that, and I, I've done a lot of community work and I resonate a lot with people's pain and where, and where they're at. So sometimes it's hard for me to just be like, wow, I'm really happy with my life right now. <laughs> you know, I, mm. it's like a part of me feels like I shouldn't be or not allowed to be, or how can I redirect my energy to make sure that other people are feeling happy too, which I do, I do always try to do, but when I actually get to take the step back and see that I like what I've created and, and my life, it feels really good and kind of unbelievable. Um, and and it's funny because I even see it in relationships like I see the relationships that have stuck with me through to this point that are so strong and those friends that are so proud of me and then I see people who maybe um didn't like seeing me grow as a person or like it 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 Mm. was scary Mm. for them or I, I don't know like I've had friendships fall to the wayside from that and and then also you know I I think like I only have space for really people who are really really down for me and my dreams and people who 
either know their dreams or working to know their dreams, but really want to be in the space of like, I'm going to do what this takes, you know, and I'll create space for everyone else in between, but I, I see it manifesting in my personal life a lot as far as really having seen people fall to the side and really seeing people show up and shine. And when I have mm. conversations with people who love me and are proud of me, um, it's really exciting because we get to talk about their dreams too. And it, it's on this whole different plane of we're not just teenagers talking about wouldn't it be cool, right? And like smoking mm. a joint and being like, well, we're in this life of like, <laughs> what is next? What are we doing to get there? And I don't, I don't think that like, three year ago me would believe it. I think that like three year ago me might even have had resentment for some, towards someone like me. You know, I, I used to have stories mm. about people, I used to have crazy stories about money, you know, that it's bad and wrong or people who have it or, and like, just because I grew up not coming from that space. And like, now I'm like, I would love to get to a point of abundance where I can support so many people and like, show people what's possible, but also be really intentional when I get to a place of abundance where I can really support communities and share. And so I think if three years ago me knew that about me now, they'd be like, that's awesome. <laughs> Would you mind going a little bit deeper into that? Because I think that's really interesting, you, the relationship with money and, and this way to see people with money because uh, I think a lot of people have this mm -hmm. kind of chatter inside <laughs> and and it's, it's a lot of people um, and I think it's also cultural it depends where you grew up I think but I know that for example in France and this is something that the difference with the US was huge for me is mm -hmm. in France when you see most of the time someone successful the reaction is look at this dickhead showing up with his big car or his money or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is an, like jealousy, you know, envy and jealousy. When in the US, I feel culturally speaking, the, the, the main reaction might be like, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. I want to be there. And it's more source of inspiration, you know, and, and this is something that um, really shifted something me being in Miami for that is, I could be one of this person, you know, why should I just, this person has been working hard to achieve what they achieved and why should I shit on them and, 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 you know, judge them. I just have to work hard and I yeah. could be there one day if I wanted to. And, and I think that's, that's something that a lot of people experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think there's like, space to be in like both ways right and it, of course it depends on your background and everything like that a book that I listened to when I was first kind of starting out my journey of like being an entrepreneur and working on my business and everything was like rich dad poor dad and I thought that book was really interesting just because it compared you know the the poor dad who was like money's not everything it's all of these other things are so much more important and then the rich dad who was like, you can literally create money from thin air if you wanted to and create this life. And I think kind of sitting in the duality of like money's not everything. And if all I was striving for was money and I was only money driven, I don't think that I would be fulfilled. Right. But yeah. 
I talk to a lot of people who come from not a super wealthy background or anything and it's like you kind of get to this point where you're like yeah but you know what would be lit is like not having to stress about like buying toilet paper <laughs> like that would mm. be amazing mm. um and so you kind of like gr- like I personally have grown this appreciation for the ability to not even be like insanely above my means but just be at my means in general is yeah. real it feels really good but when I felt like I couldn't get there and it wasn't possible it just made me upset to think about money and to think about people who had it easy or whatever you know um and I think that in the world in general there's a lot of issues and you look at really really wealthy people and how they choose to approach them and that can be really disheartening but it's not about the money in and of itself like money is just energy I I had this really revolutionary experience where I started to actually see money not as this just this thing that bad people had or that made you bad right um but actually it's it's just an energy and we live in a capitalist society where if you have it it's a way that you can tell people hey like i love you and you deserve to be able to live doing what you love to do without stress and make it by and i think that everybody i think that's a basic human right that everybody has but Mm. with my money or like my own emotional capacity to receive money that was a really important dialogue to open up is that people trust me and love me and want to see me be okay and i trust and love people and want to see them be okay and so that's why money is important and it's not money that makes you bad um sometimes there's not great people who happen to have it you know um but Mm. if you can be an awesome person and be abundant and be able to create a different world then the whole paradigm of the way the world is i think could really change yeah money is more an an amplifier i think if you're a bad person with a lot of money you're just going to be yeah worse to be honest and if you're an and if you're an amazing person with a good heart a lot of money is just going to make you an even better person because it probably will help more people Uh, it doesn't most of the time it's not gonna make you better or worse it's just amplifying who you are down there most of the time exactly and Mm. i think that like even more than the things miami's so flashy you know miami's very flashy Mm. place so it makes sense to go there and be like wow people got some nice stuff and i think sometimes that really can be like uh inspiring or empowering but um i think it's like sometimes you'll find even in miami that people have a lot of nice stuff but they're not either like fulfilled or wealthy or abundant they're like in debt and like look really good thank you credit card yeah so like that's (laughs) like i just like i really want to like shed all the looking good conversations you know and get into the space of feeling like i can generate abundance and have a life that I want and that I'm happy with and and support others yeah yeah <laughs> love that so since you mentioned you're engaged I've been dying yeah. to ask um how was the proposal when's the <laughs> wedding I need all the I don't know I'm just excited for you I want Thank to know more about you. it <laughs> um 
So the proposal was super great and hilarious. And um, I was actually planning on proposing to Wilma the whole time she was planning on proposing to Mm -hmm. me. And I had no idea. And we were living, I was here in Atlanta and she was still in Florida. So like, we just did not know at all. And I was like planning on doing it during our anniversary. And I was really trying to figure out the ring and I'm coming to Miami for Christmas. And I get there and she's like, oh man, someone like parked behind the car. I can't pick you up. I'm going to send you an Uber. And I'm like, okay. And so I get there and there's like two people holding my name on a sign and I don't have my glasses. So I'm like, okay. And they're like, you know, and buttoned down. So I'm like, all right. Um, and I get closer and my mom's in the front seat and I'm like, what is happening? Um, and it took me probably like five minutes to figure out, like being this close to my friends in costume, that they were my friends in disguise. <laughs> so she gathered my three best friends and put them in disguise. Um, and I got there and I was like, oh, what? What the fuck? Okay. And gave them a hug. I've been cursing a lot. I'm so sorry. I don't know if I'm... Okay. No, absolutely fine. Um, Swear as much as you want. I can beep it. No, but, um, and I, yeah. And so they give me this gift and I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go. And they're like, no, you have to open the gift now. And it's like a big box and I open it up and inside of it, it's just a little letter. And so I start reading it. Um, and you know, it's from Wilma. She's telling me how much she loves me and da da da. And I turn it around and it's like, when you hear this song and it's, if um you should let me love you by mario and my friend comes out with like a boombox mm-hmm. on her shoulder it might not have been a boombox it might have been like her iphone like this i don't remember what she was holding. <laughs> uh, and she was also in disguise so I was like, who is that uh playing mario <laughs> and she's like you i need you to turn around and you whatever whatever and like i turn around but I was already facing the direction she was coming. So then I turned back around and she runs out in a suit and like, like power slides on her knees and like opens up the box and super cute. And I was like, and then I fell on my knees and I was like, yes, whatever. (laughs) I think the first thing I said was that I wanted to do it first. I fell on my knees and I was like, I wanted to do it first. (laughs) And then, and then that was it. Yeah. Um, and then a couple months later on our anniversary, I got us like a, a year Airbnb in the mountains and um, it was like snowing and I had written a book. I like carved out this book of love letters and I wrote some poetry in it and I proposed back to her. Mm. Um, yeah. So that oh was the gosh. proposal. I love that whole story. <laughs> That's a good story. Have you started planning the wedding yeah. or not yet because of the whole COVID No, a little situation? bit. We um we started we started and we were originally going to do it this February actually, but um like I think I was just It was it was supposed to be the 22nd of February 2022. Yeah, right? it, was. it was. I remember your text actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got like really extra and I was like it's going to be 200 people. Um, and then like, I realized that I don't want that. <laughs> I was like, I don't really, I love people. Um, not that much. Like that would be really intense. So yeah. we like backtracked in the summer of last year and now we're planning it for, um, November. And of course the ML family is invited. Um, <laughs> but like, we just like, t- like toned down our invite list and basically just made it be like people that we're just really really comfortable with and who know us and um 
Yeah, so it's going to be a lot smaller. We're going to do it in November, and we're lightly planning it. It's going to be, like, very intimate, picnic style. I did get my dress, which I'm super excited about, and... I got my dress like by accident. I can't wait for the what? Yeah, I said I can't wait for the pictures. I can't wait to yeah, see it. I um, I got it like really early because I just went to see if I thought what I liked was what I liked, and then they were like, "We have the dress for you," and I was like, "Okay." Um. So, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. It's been cool. I'm excited. I I love love stories and proposals and what don't I like every time someone says they're engaged I'm like oh my god tell me everything. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I I never thought that I'd really get married. I never cared that much and now Mm. um Mm. but then Wilma and I like we started talking about it so early on because I think it was kind of just this like knowing like maybe four months in we're like would you want to like get married to me? (laughs) And we started kind of having that conversation because I think so many times in relationships, people spend so much time in this, like, is this the right person? I don't know, kind of space. Yeah. And with Wilma, I was like, you know, I'm, I'd love to just, basically my commitment from the beginning of our relationship has been like, I'm committed to constantly finding things to like about you, right? And being in the space of fully trusting it and fully believing in it. And God forbid, knock on wood, something were to show up that sucked and it didn't work out, that's fine, right? But I'm not gonna spend my whole Mm. life and my whole relationship banking on that one moment when anything could go bad, which saying that out loud, I'm Mm. like, damn, I've come a long way, I guess. But yeah, I I would rather always choose to believe um, in what's possible and not be attached to the results and be open to finding out what's next, you know? Life is beautiful (laughs) this way, right? Much, much better. (laughs) Much more enjoyable. Definitely. I love that. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, like getting to know you and also all your wisdom. Like you're so, I don't know, you're so eloquent the way you talk. It's been wonderful. Thank I really, oh, so I really enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, but we do have one last question. Jeremy, you can ask it this time. Okay. <laughs> we asked this question to everyone at the end of the episode. If you could have a conversation with anyone, dead or alive, famous or not, that you think is the most interesting person ever, who would you pick and why? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> This is such a good question. Um, Let me think about it for a while. (laughs) You know, dude. I mean, this is—it's not like a famous person or anything, but um, you know, my my aunt passed away last year Mm. or two years ago now, and um, if yeah, I think if I could have a conversation with anyone again, um, it would definitely be her. It would definitely be her and she is she's so interesting and unique and hilarious and I don't know if this is the most interesting answer in the world but she's no, I love it. for you. I love it. Yeah. She's just like I yeah, if I could choose to literally talk to anyone right now it would be her cuz she is the person that has the first time I cut her hair when I was in beauty school, she like sent me $200 and was like, you need to charge $200 for haircuts for the rest of your life. And it wasn't even like she had it like that. And I was like, oh my God. 
And she's just been the person since I was a kid that's always the person to tell me, like, no matter what, like, you're going to be awesome and you're going to be amazing and you can do anything you want. And we would talk in all these really weird voices and have all these different characters. And she's, like, lived so much life from, like, being an actress in New York and um, living in L.A. for, like, 20 years and just, like, traveling all around. And she's just, her name is Laura and she's the best and I would love to talk to her forever even though i've had conversations with her (laughs) i love that answer yeah thank you so much yeah and thank you so much for spending this time with us to talk to us and open up to us it's been amazing absolutely loved it um we hope everybody listening has enjoyed it as well um and everybody watching on youtube we'll be back next wednesday with a new episode do you have anything else to add no that's it thank you guys and i hope you enjoyed it see you next week bye